right, live from Studio 6B on a uh, on a Tuesday night, January 9th. Hoping we can get actually through the show. The weather in New York Ooh. is, um, well, the winds have blown at about 80 miles an hour. Yeah. So. I almost lost my toupee out there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be on the air as long as uh, Mother Nature allows us to if we lose the power here, which we lose it pretty easily, seemingly. Yeah, last I heard, she hates the show, so. so <laughs> yeah, it could be a real problem, but... <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I looked up, I saw four minutes till airtime, and I was talking to Slick about the Miami Dolphins and the playoffs and yeah. Frank the Tank from Barstool. Oh, man. Who had like just an absolute utter coronary <laughs> last week watching <laughs> Miami and Buffalo. And all of a sudden, it was like the intro started. That was the quickest four minutes I was. I was not ready to start the show. That's so. what happens when you cross 50. Time speeds up. Man, if it speeds up anymore, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Well, again, speaking of the weather, we were supposed to bring you uh, Matt Whitaker tonight. Uh, Roseanne Barr, all out in Iowa. Well, we're going to bring you nothing. It's all canceled. Wow. Weather is just brutal. Everywhere. That's terrible. Yeah. So everything's canceled. Um, and David Zier mentioned it last night that the weather even looks like from now till the caucus next Monday, looks like it's not going to be great. Mm. Freezing cold, wind snowy, rainy, just going to be a brutal weather. And it's, I mean, the wind in New York, we don't we don't ever see 80 mile an hour. We don't, we don't really see stuff like this. It, it is no. just. Not since last year. Do you remember last year? There were a couple times. When was, was there? You know, yeah, it was crazy. Because I live by the water, so we really feel it. And those, those big old trees, you're like, uh-huh, that thing's coming down. I better move my car. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be, um, you know. As long as we're here, we'll, well, yeah, we'll be here. That's a good statement, David. We'll be here as long <laughs> as we're here. Uh, we'll see if we make it through the show. So, yeah. uh, Slick's going to do some sports. Delgado's going to do some news. Aaron and Fran holding it down, as always, on a Tuesday night. So, I guess, I guess people are surprised that, um, I mean, when we hear that Hunter Biden is all of a sudden going to become an artist, <laughs> I mean, are we thinking, like, all of a sudden that uh, all of the – like, he's going to get legitimate. I mean, why are people surprised that Democrat donors are the ones we find out today bought his art? Duh, no, no kidding. Really? This is the story I heard all day today. Everybody's got it. Did you see this? Yeah. It's a, it's a, one of my news stories. Well, what's just the, the news, news in it? What is the news in it? There I is know, no I know, news. I know James Comer is all, and <laughs> I see him on John Solomon. He's, oh, this is big. This is very disturbing. Uh, and that might well be so. I, I think all the, the news, technical reasons, but like, <laughs> who's surprised? Right, who's surprised? What do like, we think was buying this it, crap? It's like when cocaine shows up in the White House. <laughs> who's surprised when you see who's in the White House? Oh, you mean no one else would have bought Hunter Biden's artwork other than Democrat donors trying to curry yeah. favor with the president and his son? No, gee, you're kidding. Oh man, I'm just so, I'm shocked by that. I can't believe it. I thought there was like real art connoisseurs out there going, oh, okay. Ooh, I see what he did here. <laughs> hmm. I'm, get, I'm getting a feeling from the artist that, yeah. uh, you know, he, oh. he's, he's feeling a little, wow. I don't know, naked with uh, maybe a little gun shy. I don't know. <laughs> hey, no one who likes art bought his stuff. Really? Wow. Wow. Shocking. You can tell from this piece here story. That, that the artist really exposes himself, his inner self. <laughs> exactly. Jackasses. I don't get it. I don't get this story. I, I think Maybe what it I'm is, missing something. I think what it is is because now they have some names so they can confirm oh, who it was. Okay. okay. 
Um, so I think that's that's the big thing. Uh, Democratic donor Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali purchased the piece of Hunter's art for forty two thousand. Uh, who is she? Uh, she's uh, Elizabeth Naftali. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who did she pay? When she, well, did she pay Hunter directly? Is this money? Where did no, this no, money no, go no, to? no. She, she's got to pay and off. Like, how the did it get guy. back? To, how did it get? How did the forty two or forty one get back to her? The middle guy. The middle guy is the art dealer. You know, okay, so he kept the he kept a thousand and gave her to forty one back through something. Right, yes, they they funneled it to uh, forty two other art dealers, and it ended up back to uh, to Hunter Biden. Right, uh, she was actually appointed to the Commission of Preservation of American Heritage uh, abroad. So that was that. Remember, her name came out last year okay. when this stuff started to come to light. Um, so she else? got a gig out of it. Yeah, she got or a she gig. Already had a gig. She got a paycheck. You know, sure. she she got her money back. She got her money well worth. Uh, well with her investment okay so i think that i think that's what's coming out from the oversight committee's account which confirms the previous reporting by just the news uh questions about the white house ethics arrangement uh set up by hunter's lawyer kevin morris and who bought this artwork so <laughs> <laughs> i mean what i just thought i just thought, i don't know am i missing something i just don't get this whole story how this is big news you mean real art people didn't flock to go see Hunter Biden's artwork? I'm some, some <laughs> shocked by that. I just can't believe it. Unbelievable. So, uh, well, anyways, yes. uh, there's here's lots. A, here's what? a self-portrait of the artist. Here. This, <laughs> is, this is called. In his underwear. This is called. Uh, this is called Friday Night. I have no teeth. <laughs> as you can tell by his awkward yeah. smile. Oh, these aren't real art buyers. Wow, you're kidding. I, am just, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe it. Vincent Van Gross. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know, so shocked by oh, this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, hmm. God. Uh, well, there's a couple, things, uh, a couple other things in the news that caught my attention. And this one catches my attention because I just, you know, uh, and we've heard a lot about this now. And I don't know if it's a tactic that we should... Um, well, I don't know. You tell me. The poll, increased black Hispanic support pushed Trump to lead over Biden. And we keep hearing this now that uh, this big percentage, the percentage of black and um, uh, Latino and, and Hispanic vote that Trump's going to get, it's going to be, you know, out of this world like we've never seen before. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I said this before, a couple with, with, with David Zeros here. I don't know if I buy it. I just don't know if I buy it. We heard it in 2020. And I feel like now a lot of people, it's like uh, we're just continually hearing this, hearing this, hearing this. And it's back to my same argument of people go, oh, look, the polls, the polls. Look, at it. don't worry, there's going to be a cakewalk. He's going to get all this black and Hispanic support more than we've ever seen. And it's just going to be just a cakewalk to victory. And I, I mean, I just I don't know. Uh, former President Donald Trump holds a lead over President Joe Biden heading into the presidential election. Latest polls show. Center Square Voters, a voice poll conducted January 2nd through 4th, found that among likely voters, Trump holds 45% support compared to Biden's 41% in a head-to-head face-off. Uh, the remaining 14% who responded were not sure uh, could swing the election in favor of either candidate. I, I just don't know how you can be 14% and be not sure of what's going on in this country and the shape the country's in. And you look at inflation, you look at debt, you look at uh, crime, you look at the border, you look at, I mean, if there was any, if there was ever a year where you would think it'd be hard to say, well, you know, I'm kind of unsure. Like, I don't know. I'm doing okay. And I don't really, you know, we'll see what, I mean, who are those people? Where are those people that are just waffling on what state the country is in? Where are those? Please raise your hand. (laughs) 
please raise your hand. Uh, Trump's lead is due to in large part to his growing support among Hispanic and black voters, which is higher than Republican presidential candidates have received in the past. Trump has 10% support among black voters compared to Biden's 74%. While 10% is far lower than obviously Biden's, it's actually much higher than Republican presidential candidates normally garner. Now, there was some debate about this when me and Zier talked about this last week. I thought in 2020 that the president pulled somewhere like 18%. He said, no, it was 12. Yeah, I think I, I think it was closer to like in between that number. I, I don't think it was as high as 18, I, and I don't think it was as low as 12. I thought it was around the 14% area. For some reason, that number stood out to me, but I don't know. Um, you know, when it comes to, say, the black vote and, and you know, the numbers that they choose, I don't even bother with polls. I think, I think we've established I don't really care about polls. Um, I go with the culture side. I go with what I'm seeing, what you see on the ground, what you're seeing with people who are, who are speaking out, what you're seeing the p- poking up on social media, whether it be uh, you know on X or on Getter or what have you, where these people are just they're frustrated and they're, they've had it. And you look at them and you're like, you know what? You're, you're a former uh, Democrat now, aren't you? Um, because you could tell they know that they've been used. They know that these people only show up every four years to blow smoke up their ass, and then they disappear again. Just ask Ice Cube how his meeting went with the, the, with the Biden administration. That's right. It didn't. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, but it's just it's starting to show up. And we started seeing it again, I think, about a year or so ago on social media, on Twitter, on, uh, on X, on, on Getter, uh, everywhere, when these videos started po- po- poking up and you see these, these, these black guys and, and these women talking about, you know what, this ain't working for me. And it's, I, I think that's more prevalent. And I think that's, that could give you a better temperature as to what's going on culturally because they see it. You know what? They want success. They're just like every other American. doesn't matter the color of the skin. They want success. And what they see right now coming out of the Biden administration is utter failure across the board, and it's affecting them at home. So I think that's what's gotten their attention. Well, one, one clip I did notice, and I think this probably— um, Daddy Trump? Daddy T? No, but did, oh. you see Biden, <laughs> did you see Biden the other day at this uh, church? Reminded me of Hillary Clinton back in 2015 when they go— they go to these black churches and act like they're just so oh, hip yeah. that they fit in and they've been there all their life. They start talking with a uh, with an accent. Yeah, they start inflecting the yes. uh, the dialect. And then remember Biden last time I was there is they in the black church. They were all uh, they were singing gospel and, and dancing. And Biden looked like he was uh, watching a UFO come through the sky. Right. He, he was trying. To, I don't think he was, think he was even doing. I don't think he was even <laughs> doing that. I think he was frozen in time. Looks like he really fits in. Like, I've been here my whole life. Yeah, sure. sure I, was, yeah. I was brought up in a black Puerto Rican yeah. uh, Jewish church. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, <laughs> sure you were. I saw um, Nina Turner after that, Tina after Turner. Biden's speech and his display the other day. I saw this uh, clip of Nina Turner uh, on CNN, and I would think that most of what she says here, uh, well, here it is. Yep. See what she says there? You yeah. got it? I can see it. I just can't hear it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm set, I'm <laughs> set right, it. too. I, I got no audio, friend. Let me try again. Yeah, nothing. Ah. Okay, well, there you go. I can so, imagine what she's saying. Yeah, well, she basically says, too little, too late. Um, You know, where you been? 
All right, one more time. Let's try it one more time. Many politicians come to the black church at the last minute. This is an example of that. Why wasn't he at Mother Emanuel last year or the year before that or the year before that? This president said that he was uniquely positioned because he was the vice president for the first African-American president of this country to address the issues that uniquely animate the African-American community. Well, the African-American community is under assault globally. We got black women being attacked out in the open. Hello, Harvard University president. We have the rolling back of affirmative action by the United States Supreme Court. We didn't get the minimum wage passed, no John Lewis Voting Rights Act, no George Floyd policing and justice. And Abby, the list goes on and on and on. So the work that needs to be done to show the black community in particular that this president not only can give a pretty speech, but that he can pass pretty policies, that he can push pretty policies that make a difference in material conditions, that just has not happened. And to stage this in the black church at this moment when there is a rollback uh, that's happening in this country, a, a total full frontal assault on black people, our history, our being, everything about us is almost a little too late. Many Yeah, a little too late. So you can agree with none of what she said, which I don't. But uh, blaming Biden is the point. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. January 9th. Sucks going to do some sports. Rick Delgado's got the news. Aaron and Fran holding it down. If you're a parent, if you're a parent at uh, James Madison High School in New York City tonight, I don't, I just, um, you know, there's a lot of scenarios we talk about. We talk about Trump is New York in play, Minnesota, New Jersey's places he's talking about going. And, uh, you know, for, I, I still, for the most part, stick to the point that it's, you know, rallies to nowhere because these places are so entrenched, blue, iron-fisted, they're never going to change. But you look at what's happening at James Madison High School in, in, in New York, uh, and the kids now getting kicked out of their school, having to learn remotely tomorrow so that they can flood the school with illegal aliens so they have a place are to put serious? them. Are you serious? From Floyd Bennett Field, they moved them. Oh, into this goodness. high school, and all of the students now have to have to work remotely while they use the school to house illegals. You you just wonder how parents, and I and I think of Rudy Giuliani when he came up to, when he came on the show and talked about African American pre, uh, parents and how they used to come up to him and Mr. Mayor, we want more more uh, police, more more. Yeah. We need we need more stringent. These kids need direction. These kids need stringent rules to follow. Um, man, I. I this is one of those situations. I just don't know how you keep voting the way you're voting. I mean, elections have consequences. And you keep voting blue and you keep voting for these open border, um, these kind of leaders. This is, this is you know, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. And this is, and here you go. Right on your doorstep now. Now it's actually affecting your kids. And you say, ah, oh, the border so far, it doesn't affect me. Well, now it's, now it's right in your face here. And now your kids are learning remotely for who knows how long. This is insanity. 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 Absolute total insanity. What is going on? And you know what? And I think that that bolsters um, the Trump campaign's thinking. They got to get into these areas because 
if the people there who have voted for these people and then they see how they're being treated, how their kids are being treated, how they're being um, uh, pushed down, um, you know, in favor of people who aren't citizens, people who are criminals, basically, basically. They've said, you know what? Keep your dumb kids at home. We don't want them in school because we want to house criminals here who've broken our broken the first law of this country as you is the immigration law because they had to break it to get here. So they're they're basically telling these people, pound sand, kick rocks, get out. We don't care that we, you pay us. We're going to do this, and you have to take it. That's the exact reason why Trump needs to be in these areas to push back on this and say, look, here, here's why I'm, I'm your guy. I would never let this happen. And, you know? a, and AOC in the last couple of days has been going around promoting um, not only open borders, but, um, you know. The, the A word. Yeah. Say it. I don't want it. <laughs> and this is what's going on. She wants amnesty. Oh, we could fix the border and stop the more. Well, we no, just... the illegals need to sleep in the gym. So your kids need to not come to school. We saw what this did during COVID, and I'm not saying this is going to be some prolonged, but who knows? Like you said, the kids. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said, who knows how long this will last? Because they'll just need an excuse. Well, we're going to make it two days um, because, you know, the, the weather is still kind of kind of bad. And, uh, you know, they just got settled. Um, <clears throat> stay home. You know, you're comfortable anyway. You have a home. They don't have a home. That's the argument they're going to use. The, the, the illegal is more virtuous than the citizen. It yeah. has always been that way to the Democrat Party. And it will always be that way. Yeah. And now, you know, let's face it, if they if they decide to stay, well, we're going to keep them through the weekend. They're basically going to become squatters. You're not going to be able to get them out. You watch. They're not going to be able to get these people out unless the citizens, uh, the citizens march and and get to that school and force them to take them out, because that's the only way it's going to work. And has Chuck Schumer um, said anything about this today? He attended that high school, I believe. Bernie Sanders said anything about that high school? I believe he attended that high school. Has anyone on the left, anyone from New York said anything about this disgrace today? While their kids, those, these parents, these poor kids are going to be home trying to get on Zoom tomorrow morning because illegal immigrants have to sleep in the gym? Man. Nothing. Not a word. Not a word. And the school says, oh, yes, we're going to have to pivot. Pivot? I don't, think, I don't think you're pivoting to remote learning. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's a beyond a nice way to say what's going on. You're yeah. not pivoting to remote learning. The parents should sue. They pay taxes, right? You pay taxes. Sue. I mean, it's these kind of stories that you just you think as a parent, how could you possibly – Put up with this. Paying the taxes you pay in New York and looking at this, looking at what's happened to your kids over the last couple of years with remote learning and, and, the, and, the, and the remember some of the numbers we've gone through on what's going on in the classrooms, yep. especially in, in New York City. And you know the majority of those parents are just like any other parents anywhere. They want the best for their kids. They're trying to keep them safe, trying to keep them on the straight and narrow. Want as much structure in their life as they can possibly find, and 
you know, good teachers and good schools can can do that, and then they get upended. And you can imagine all the individual stories within the school of students in there, you know, and what this will do. Just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yes. All right, let's do uh, let's do some sports, and we'll do some more news. There's other other n- nutty stories going on with, with that man, the guy over there who, that, who runs that outfit across oh, the yeah. street. We'll get to that. <laughs> I, I got to follow up on that. I mean, it's oh, just unbelievable. Boy. Oh, it's an elective really? surgery. Really? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. no, actually, it was cancer. Well, how, wait, what? <laughs> Wow. Well, let's do some sports. First sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and my pillow. And here with that is Slick Rick. What's going on, Slick? I think you could sponsor this with the chat. Oscar Maya, big D with the bacon. What's going on with the bacon in the chat? Did you I see that? I have no idea. Yeah, Baconators. <laughs> here we go. NCAA men's basketball. Let's get right to it. Iowa State right now over number two, Houston, 37-31, 15 to go in the second half. Kentucky leads Missouri 57-48, also in the second. Cincinnati 51-49 over Texas. Alabama, 54-34 over South Carolina. Eight to go there in the second. And uh, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, 20-13 over Texas Tech. 9-41 to go there in the first. NHL action, couple of games going on right now. It's Kraken lead the Sabres 3-2 in the second period. All of these are in the second. The Sharks right now trail the Maple Leafs 4-1. Kings over the Lightning, 1-0. Canucks lead the Islanders 2-1, end of one. And with nine to go in the first, the Blues sound like the Blues are beating the Panthers 1-0. Uh, well, let's get right to it, Big D. Let's talk about the Natty last night. We had the Natty, the national championship. Did we My see what happened there? God, well, I mean, it couldn't. Could you misread a game more than I misread both sides of that game? Michigan's offense and um, and and Washington's offense. You know, I, as much God. as much as I love the story and I bought into Washington, I did the advice you've given me in the past. Don't bet, bet with your heart, and I didn't because my heart was definitely with the Huskies. I wanted to see them win, uh, but I, I just knew Michigan, yeah, I, that ground game was going to be something, you know, and uh, sure enough, it was. And Michigan tops Washington to win CFB National Championship. This is Heather Dinich of ESPN. Houston, in the end, the Michigan versus Everybody mantra that inspired the Wolverines all season long was quite fitting. The Wolverines did indeed square off against everybody from the NCAA to their own Big Ten Conference to the number two team in the nation Monday night on college football's greatest stage on and off the field. Michigan refused to let any opponent, any NCAA investigation, or any of the six games the head coach was suspended for get in its way of winning a national title. And on Monday night, when it mattered the most, number one Michigan did it again, beating number two Washington. Washington 34-13 before an announced crowd of 72,808 at NRG Stadium during the school's first national championship since 1997 when it uh, shared it with Nebraska. Uh, the Wolverines asserted themselves from the opening kickoff and never trailed against the Huskies. We're now 14-1. and one. And I'll get more into uh, a little bit later into the next segment, Big D. It's a wrap. All right, we'll do some more sports when we get back. Um, bacon. <laughs> Bring it home. All right, 30 minutes past the hour live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's going to do some more sports. 
And we'll do some news with a man who cooks his bacon on his UFO. And then Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. We'll get to that in a second. I love bacon. Uh, let's do some, uh, what's up? Have we figured out what the bacon deal is yet in the chat? Someone said one of the Rav mods started this whole thing tonight. And I don't know. I think that's what the B stands for in the name, right? Live from Studio 6 Bacon. Ah, yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah, who who finally told them? I don't know. I have no idea. Who um, and the truth? No, it doesn't. I don't. I, well, I've told the name on how we live from Studio Six B. The name came to to be. And there's really. I wish there was a more, you know, interesting story. Cooler story, but it's not. <laughs> okay, let me see. Uh, that sounds good. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's do some more sports. Slick, what's going on? All right, big deal. Well, just to finish up the Natty game, we kind of covered everything. But uh, yeah, Michael Penix Jr. He was definitely pedestrian last Brutal. night. Yeah, it didn't have a good game. I tell you, they did make a little spark there. Though late in the third, they were coming down the field. They cut it to seven. Looked like they were on a drive. Then that pick just changed the whole game, and that was pretty much it for Michigan. So congratulations to uh, Harbaugh and the boys. They did a good job. They went through a lot this year. You think about that with the investigation, which I don't know what that ever panned out. I haven't heard heard any finality on it. And you got to give the Wolverines credit for what they did. They made a great run. 14-0. I think that's uh, one of the best best runs I've ever seen, actually, in college football. So, spectacular. And Washington, unfortunately, that team is going to get decimated because a lot of guys are leaving. I know Penix is probably going to be – he's likely going to be a first-round pick, if not an early second-round pick in the NFL. I think he would – if he would have had a good night last night, he might have he might have picked a little bit higher. But uh, good game overall. I like that win. Aaron was on that. I was on that. We took Michigan. Big D. He was, he was riding the, uh, the uh, Washington train. So, so let's get into it. We got NFL, a lot of action. We got a coaching carousel of changes as well. TJ Watt to miss wild card round. This is pretty big for the Steeler fans. We got a lot of Steeler fans in the chat. I know that. This is Tommy uh, Frattenberg of ESPN. The Pittsburgh Steelers weren't supposed to make the playoffs, but road and elite defense and a steady hand from quarterback Mason Rudolph to a three-game winning streak at the final wild to add the final wild card spot. They entered the postseason with the worst odds to win the Super Bowl uh, at uh, plus twelve thousand. Big day per draft. Kings and a miracle run is about to become even more difficult. Head coach Mike Tomlin announced earlier today that all pro pass rusher, best player on the whole team, TJ Watt will miss Sunday's wild card game at Buffalo. Watt leads the NFL with 19 sacks this season, but left week 18's crucial win with a knee injury after his own player collided with him in the third quarter. A little friendly fire there. Watt's inability to take the field on Sunday is a crushing blow to a Steelers team that needs every break to go their way to keep the season alive, especially against Josh Allen and the surging Buffalo Bills. While on paper it looks like Buffalo should steamroll the Steelers, the Bills have shown this year that they are far from a perfect team. As recently as late November, they were just 500, a team at 6-6, six and six, and technically entered Week 18 with a chance at missing the playoffs. But since the Week 13 bye, Buffalo's 5-0 and with wins over Kansas City, Dallas, and Miami, all, all big playoff contenders. So looking good there for the Bills, and we'll see. Tight, Titans fired head coach Mike Vrabel earlier today after six seasons with the team. Uh, this is from Pro Football Rumors' Adam LaRose. After significant speculation regarding his future, Mike Vrabel's time in Tennessee has come to an end. The Titans fired the veteran coach on Tuesday per ESPN's Adam Schefter. The team has since confirmed. Commanders, to no surprise, obviously let uh, Ron Rivera go yesterday. And Arthur Smith, who had a very bad season there in the end there with Atlanta, he was fired as well. I know Doug Peterson's staff over in Jacksonville, they had a little bit of a shakeup too. They let the defensive coordinator go earlier today. And I'm not sure who else, where the heads are going to fall. Obviously, Bill Belichick, that's a big story now. Whether he's going to stay with New England or not, he has a meeting coming up with Robert Kraft later in the week. Uh, that's historic because, I mean, he's arguably 
He's arguably the greatest coach ever. I mean, who's ahead of him? Hallison Landry in most games coached with the same team, which is amazing. And I think he's number two all-time in wins behind Alice. So, you know, I don't think he's going to retire too soon. There is talk about him taking the year off, possibly doing the old, you know, that beautiful job of being a uh, – on, on uh, CBS may be getting rid of their staff. Boomer and them, they may be letting them go. That's what I heard. And, and uh, Phil uh, – What's his name? Sims. Yeah, Phil Sims. Yeah, they may be letting them go and changing that up. So you might see him and, and possibly uh, Brady. And that's, that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. We'll have some more. NFL I mean, when I watch Bill's press conference, all I can think is, yeah, this guy's made for TV. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Yeah, I don't know. Get the personality of a wet stone. All right, Slick. We'll do some more sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends over at 7Cells. 7Cells.com. Use our code LFS6P. Great stuff for your health, your skin, you know, all kinds of great stuff. 7Cells.com. Check them out. Uh, Rick Delgado, what's going on? Uh, well, uh, I figure we'll, we'll start with some follow-up stuff because, of course, you know, the big story we were talking – one of the big stories we were talking about yesterday was, of course, Lloyd Austin going missing, right? Oh. Uh, well, turns out, of course, he was being treated for what elective. they were calling elective surgery. Oh, yes. Uh, until we find out later that, well, not many people consider prostate cancer elective surgery. Yeah, that's – yeah. Yes. So I don't know. I'm going to call bullcrap on that one. Uh, this one coming from Just the News, John Solomon's site. Defense Secretary Lloyd, Lloyd Austin, according to this, underwent a minimally invasive procedure in late December related to previously diagnosed prostate cancer and quietly returned to the hospital earlier this month as a result of complications. Uh, the, of course, that happened at Walter Reed National Medical, uh, Medical Center. The revelation provides some insight into why Austin was hospitalized earlier this month without telling President Biden and others. Austin had the procedure on my birthday. Great. And was admitted into Walter Reed on January 1st for complications for a urinary tract infection. I thought only women get those. Uh, His return to the hospital was not made known until January the 5th. Now, according to the AP, the delay in top officials finding out about Austin's hospitalization, check this out, was due... And this, you're really going to have to suspend belief on this one, was due to a key staffer being out with the flu and unable to inform anyone. Think about that for a second. Yeah, listen, I'm glad they, I'm glad they caught it early for this guy. I think I'm they're glad pulling they a caught it early. It seems, like, <laughs> seems like they've treated it, and I uh, hope he's in good health. Honest, obviously, duh. Um, and good of for course. them for catching it early at Walter Reed. But this whole story is, this, yeah. I mean, just, come on. And, and, it, and it, it, it almost seems like... This is not the whole story, right? It's like we're not getting everything. Let's no. face it. Did you listen to Kirby today and Jean Pierre? I mean, they, they, you might as well have asked them to, um, you know, some quantum right, <laughs> right. computing mathematics question, the two of them. I mean, they were like. Uh, it was like verbal gymnastics yeah. trying to figure out, you know, how many flips and back twists can I do to make sure that. Uh, People will stop asking about this this issue because, again, a key staffer being out with the flu. Now, how did anybody know that the key staffer was out with the flu? I don't know. Let's ask the staffer. How'd you let everybody know you were out with the flu? Well, I called in sick. Ah, so you called in sick for you, but you didn't happen to mention on that phone call that, hey, by the way, uh, number six in line to the presidency is going back into the hospital for a complication? I don't know. I'm not I mean, buying any of this. And the president of the United States doesn't right. know for five days that it's cancer? Here, right. Here's Kirby today. I mean, 
We've oh, seen Kirby have some. Oh, he's a classic. You know, some clown show moments in the uh, press briefing room when he shows up. But, I mean, here's Peter, Peter Ducey with him today. Okay, thank you for all the detail on that. But more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? <laughs> I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about. Uh, <laughs> no, they haven't. That's the problem. The, um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here and by what and by uh, uh, how how uh, how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait, wait now, just give me a second. Now I, I know you got another one coming here, but but we all recognize coming. that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels, not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that. And I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I, uh, it's up to you and your colleagues, and it's up to the American people to determine you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander in chief. Uh, he has led he uh, the department at an <laughs> incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But, but if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How, the minute he's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second what here, Bub. I'll get there. I'm trying to get my lie right. Second, Bub. If the administration <laughs> made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, Brutal. then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department, and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with you the United States. It's, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's the, the, yeah, I'm sorry. It's not holding water. That's just terrible. He's terrible. He, he is flustered. That is terrible. He's your he's your secretary of defense, right? That's his title. Yeah. yeah. Part of the cabinet. Yeah. One of the people you would think Biden's he's not prob- that to Biden. He's like, oh, he's got the confidence. Right. Of, he the Come on. I'm not joking. The president does not know who Lloyd Austin is. <laughs> he does not know who he is. If He's he walked in a room yeah. and he was, and Austin was the only guy in the room, he would say, who's that? Why yeah. is he here? He doesn't know who he is. He has demonstrated it multiple times. He can't remember his name. He doesn't know where he works. He doesn't know what his title is. And he would not know who he was if he walked into a room with him. Right. Guaranteed. He doesn't have the full faith and confidence of him. He doesn't know who he is. I mean, they're just lying out of every pore in their body. Yeah, and and remember, he's part of the cabinet, right? Yeah. He's he's right there. President probably talks to him every day. Obviously not, is what we're finding out, is that he hadn't talked to him for at least five days. Now, how could that be when there was a drone strike ordered? Who ordered the drone strike last week? Oh, 
Why don't you ask the administration? Hey, John Kirby, who ordered that drone strike? Because if it wasn't John Kirby, I mean, if it wasn't uh, Lloyd Austin, see, I don't even know his name, um, then then who did it? <laughs> was it the undersecretary? Well, she didn't even know she was in charge. And the person who was in charge of telling everybody, well, he called out with the flu. He just didn't happen to make a call and say, oh, by the way, uh, that guy that runs that outfit over there, um, he's going to be in the hospital because he's got some complications from some surgery that he never told Biden about when he was first diagnosed. Um, So you got those. This is totally dysfunctional. I'm sure Obama knew exactly where it was. And another thing that, that Bongino pointed out today is that these guys have security details. They have the security detail knew where he was because they brought him to the hospital like they escort him everywhere. So this stuff is this stuff is just uh, it's just all lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. Yeah. I didn't eat that extra uh, cinnamon bun. That's a lie, too. (laughs) He cut them with a cyber knife. (laughs) (laughs) All right, live from Studio 6B. We're back. Uh, We're still on the air. Man, bad it's blowing hard. Got, <laughs> got those things, baby. Got them. to the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night a rough tuesday night in new york weather wise but we're yeah. still going strong slick power is still on i wasn't really sure we were going to make it through to the show and i don't want to be the kiss of death here because we got an hour to go but mm. so far so good so uh we did some sports we'll do some more we only did just the lloyd austin story so we'll do some yeah. more news but i mean i'm just and Kirby and KG, uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre today, just, I mean, well, I mean, when you have that, when you have total humiliation to that level, it's really, I mean, even for the most adamant of liars, it's hard to kind of, you know, it's hard to even get your way out. There's nothing, what can you say? I mean, what can you say? I mean, like you said, this is the number six guy, I mean, whatever yeah. it is. Number six in line. I mean, just, and, you know what, and what, what's the, what's the, what's the uh, saying? The cover up always gets you. It's a small thing. It was surgery. People will have empathy. They'll be like, oh, he went in for cancer. Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got to make some phone calls and people should know. And you guys should just should come forward and be like, yeah, we screwed up. Yeah. Just say, listen, we didn't tell the president because the president doesn't know who the guy is. Right. <laughs> I guess they can't say that, but I mean, or say something. Right. So. All right, let's do some more news uh, and hear what that is, Rick Delgado. All right. Well, I don't know if you were paying attention, but, uh, well, let's see. Cover Up has a name, and that name is Ray Epps. This coming from uh, John Solomon's Just News. Ray Epps accused of being a J6 FBI informant, uh, sentenced to one year probation. That's right. Uh, Ray Epps. I don't know if you you may have remembered Ray Epps, uh, the guy with the red hat. He was over there at J6. He was was doing a little rabble-rousing with the crowd, of course. Uh, This is Ray Epps uh, from uh, just that day, um, right in front of the Capitol. Check this out. Cut number three. The police aren't the enemy. Epps pulled this agitated rioter aside and said something. Conspiracists say he was giving marching orders because seconds later, this happened. Who can remember what exactly did you say to him? 
dude, we're not here for that. The police aren't the enemy. Something like that. Yeah. So, so, so basically, uh, Ray Epps, as you can tell, um, the informant, uh, the Arizona man, also accused by conservatives of being an FBI plant for January 6th, was sentenced Tuesday to one year probation for his participation in the incident. They're calling it. It's, they're calling it an incident. I guess he's not charged with insurrection. Another one who wasn't charged with insurrection. Uh, Ray Epps was sentenced to probation in a deal with the federal prosecutors after pleading guilty in September to a single charge of engaging in disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds, according to The Hill. He repeatedly denied that he was a government informant, even though he got treated with kid gloves. And it came years later that he was finally held account for being actually at uh, on the Capitol grounds, according to NBC News and testimony of the now defunct House January 6th committee, Epps said he wasn't a federal agent, wasn't working for the CIA, the NSA, or the Metropolitan Police Department. No evidence has emerged to show Epps was working with the government. Of course, the the sweetheart deal he just got here that uh, Hunter Biden would be proud of. Uh, Federal prosecutors say Epps was never a government employee or agent beyond serving in the Marines four decades ago. He was also ordered to pay a whopping $500 in restitution and serve 100 hours of community service. Service. I mean, it's just, I mean, talk about just in your face. This is another one of yes. those things just in your face. Big double middle finger. What are you going to do about it? <clears throat> this this guy's on tape. Yeah. This guy's on tape talking about we got to go in, agitating to a, to a level that no one else did. Now you've got Matthew Graves out there, assistant uh, U.S. attorney Graves out there, who's been calling for, you know, overextended sentences for 80-year-old grandmothers. Uh, saying he's going to go after next anyone who was just even walking around outside, even like you, where, wherever the line is that you're not supposed to cross, which, of course, you would have never known. Well, if you cross that line even two steps, Matthew Graves is coming after you. But the guy who's who's in the middle of everything, you got people sitting in jail for for jaywalking, for trespassing, three years, no charges, no court dates, rotting away in jail. This guy who's on tape saying we got to go in seems to be yeah. right in the middle of everything, agitating. No jail. Yeah, cut no, cut number three, uh, where he is basically is right out in front, um, and, and you see him just yelling at people. I think we've got this right. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? Listen to the responses around him. Yeah. Yeah, they were calling him out right there. I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need need to go. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in the Capitol. Face fed posting? (laughs) We need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Monument Hill. This is Ray Epps. There's also text messages of, of him admitting to his, uh, I believe it's his son, uh, that he he was in charge of all of this. All right, no, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested we if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get Does shot. arrest us all? Yeah, that's good. Huh? Yeah. I mean, the, the average sentence. Wow. On a on on someone on from J six right now has been three years. That's the average sentence. Three years. 
Crazy. Yeah. For yeah. a lot less than what oh. this guy seem, seemingly was doing. You've also had people that, that have not even gotten to trial ended up committing suicide Ugh. because of what they've been put through by, by this government. So it, it's insane, and it just goes to prove, once again, Ugh. Ray Epps, uh, yeah, he probably does work for the government in some capacity. He just, you just got to get the right term. Where he'll where where it identifies him exactly what he is called because again we've seen this with uh, with the FBI director he says well we wouldn't call it that well then what would you call what would you call a Ray Epps is he not a confidential human source is he not an informant is he not working undercover you got to get to the right term and then you could expose exactly who he is and I believe in the sentencing agreement or whatever whatever this agreement from the judge the judge referenced the fact that. Um he contacted the FBI seemingly very quickly after January 6th started or sometime during the day. I, I forget exactly what it was, but I believe Brandon Straka did that too. He didn't seem to get the same treatment. I'm no. sure there was others who did the same thing. They didn't get the same treatment. This guy got to phone in his um, to his hearing today, whatever. Was it today, this hearing? Yeah. Yeah, he got to phone in. He didn't even need to show up. I don't know that anyone else has gotten that ability. Yeah, and, and it cost Brandon Strzok, I believe, uh, over $500,000 to, to defend himself. And he was on the other side of the Capitol grounds. Anyhow. I'm um, again, uh, you just talk about it in your face. Yeah, exactly. One more quick story before I run out of time here. This one changing, uh, changing coast a little bit there for you, Damon. As a former CIA officer says, Ian Ziering got a lot right in his Hollywood attack. <clears throat> Who's Ian Ziering? You might remember him. I saw this. From Beverly Hills 90210. Oh. Uh, a former CIA officer weighed in on the pros and cons of what he did when he took matters into his own hands when a group of people uh, riding motorized minibikes swarmed his car on Hollywood Boulevard. Here's the video that shows the incident that happened last week. Now, he's in this SUV, this Mercedes SUV, and he's gotten out because one of these kids ran into his vehicle. So he went to yeah. see the damage, and a of course, the fight breaks out. Okay. Now, he's surrounded by five, six people, and he decides, you know what? I, I gots to go. Oof. And he runs across the street with these people attacking him. Touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So according to this... Oh, uh, haymaker, he missed. Yeah. Ac- according to the, uh, oh. to the former CIA officer, uh, Jason Hansen, uh, he said he started with, he said, Deering did right. He gets out of the car. The guy scratches his car or hits it, whatever. And, and then they start punching him, right? He's out, man. He knows it. He th- I think it's three to one. So you could tell he had no real fighting experience. However, what he did right was he, he got people away from the area and he kept moving. He said movement... Keeping in motion is the best thing to do in those situations. Wow. All right, Hour 2 coming up live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Two live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to get to. Slipbrick's going to do some sports. Delgado's going to do some news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as well. 
just a little worried about the weather starting to show, but so far so good. Lots to get to in hour two. Couple, um, couple of opinion pieces here that I think uh, the boys here might have some interest in. One of them called the prediction of the biggest news of 2024. Well, maybe I'll get to that. You and Delgado might have an interest in that as well. Trump wins. Uh, well, no, that's not it, believe it or not. Come on. Actually, that's not what it. What else could there be? Well, I'll tell you, maybe. Okay. Um, but let's talk about the other news of the day, and that's this hearing uh, for President Trump on immunity today. And if you want to know when we talk about the hellish road of Washington, D.C., and why this whole thing has been set in motion with Judge Chutkin... And the old Newt Gingrich uh, phone call, no, 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 this is what you're going to do, and this is how fast you're going to do it. This is your only job. Uh, well, you got a little taste of how bad it's going to be today in this immunity hearing in front of this three-judge, all-left-wing crackpot, um, we're smarter than everybody else when we put the black robe on, uh, judges panel in D.C., And this particular judge, Pan, in talking about presidential immunity today and questioning Trump's attorneys, and and some of the some of the things she used and some of the distinctions she tried to draw and some of the just unbelievable made up movie esque scenarios. As if we're watching, like, um, you know, White House Down <laughs> or something to that effect. Just listen to some of this exchange between Judge Pan and the, and the Trump lawyer on the argument on presidential immunity and, and how far-reaching that would be given different scenarios. And just, I mean, just listen to this exchange from this crackpot leftist uh, judge. Roll that, Aaron. But your position is that he can't be prosecuted for that unless he's impeached. That was, as long as it's an official just just remember something. President Trump has never been charged with insurrection, never been convicted of insurrection, was impeached twice, uh, and not convicted by the Senate both times when listening to this conversation. Go ahead. Private conduct under Clinton against Jones, he'd be subject to prosecution for that as long as he's not in office. Could, but could as long as he's official. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If what if proceed? he weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that? Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and... Uh, 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 and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked abuse. you a yes or no, yes or no question. <laughs> Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so, so your answer is, is no. Is, 
My answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. I've, I've asked you a, a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken by a president and could be considered official acts. And I've asked you, would such a president be subject to criminal prosecution if he's not impeached or convicted? And your answer, your yes or no answer is no. I, I believe I said qualified yes if he's impeached or convicted first. Uh, we so may my be saying question the same was, thing. okay, so he's not impeached or conviction, convicted. Let's put that aside. You're saying a president could sell pardons, could sell military secrets, could order SEAL Team 6 <laughs> to assassinate a, a political rival. Sale of military secrets strikes me as something that might not be held to be an official act. The sale of pardons is something that's come up historically okay. and was not prosecuted. But your brief so, says that communicating with an executive branch agency is an official act. And communicating with a foreign government is an official act. That's what presidents do. They're very strange situation. Those are very strange examples of potential official acts. If you look at what Chief Justice said in against Madison, he said, rising directly under Article Two, Section that the uh, uh, the courts that the president's official acts are quote never examinable by the courts. And he says it like four different times on pages one sixty four to one sixty six. Well, let me ask you about that then, counsel, because your position is, as I understand it. If a president is impeached or convicted, impeached and convicted by Congress, then he is subject to criminal prosecution, correct? That would be a necessary said to execution. Is that a yes? Yes. Okay. So therefore, he's not completely and absolutely immune because under the procedure that you concede, he can be prosecuted if there's an impeachment and conviction by the Senate. Very, very formidable structural check against the astonishing radical action of prosecuting a former president. Official right, but you're conceding that okay, presidents that's can. You know what? I, I got a, a whole problem with the, why he's even entertaining hypotheticals. Mm. And if he's going to entertain that hypothetical, you might as well switch it to your advantage. Can a president order the assassination of a political rival? Oh, you mean can President Biden order the assassination of a political rival and still be charged? Do you mean that? Your Honor, that's the way I would have flipped it on her, because then all of a sudden now you've now you've changed the tone because all of a sudden she's going to want to change that. She's going to want to get away from that because you've attached her her friend's name to it. She's not she she wouldn't be happy with that. But why are why, why is he arguing a hypothetical? That that can't you can't win that argument because it's a hypothetical. Yeah, you're never going to win that. Yeah, um, but you just you just can you just get a sense of um, what President Trump is going to face in the judiciary in, in Washington. They've already got the, I mean, they've already got the judgment written. This, this is just all, this is just all show. And you're right. I don't what the attorney's doing there. I have no idea. But the, the, the scenarios she brings up again, as if we're watching White House down yeah. or like, uh, you know, 
I mean, what what in re, the re, what in reality is that that a president would call for that? I mean, it's just idiotic. It is. Julie Kelly went on um, Steve Bannon afterwards. Cut three. Uh, to talk about this exchange. Here it is. Roll that. So obviously Judge Florence Pan, who has been a DC fixture for a long time, she is married to a man named Max Steyer. That name might be familiar to you, certainly to your viewers, a longtime Democratic activist in DC. He was one of Brett Kavanaugh's chief antagonists, claimed that he saw Brett Kavanaugh involved or engaged in lewd behavior when they were both freshmen at Yale. Oh my! So God. he pushed the FBI to investigate. He's just in a new movie at Sundance talking about Kavanaugh. Oh. And here's his wife now uh, today, clearly with her marching orders, preposterous hypothetical that she asked Trump's lawyer, what if the president used SEAL Team 6 to assassinate his political rival? Would he be protected from criminal prosecution under the immunity argument that Donald Trump's team is making? Now, that's outlandish. No president would do that. If they did do that and the public found out about it, he would be immediately impeached and convicted, which is the process for dealing with criminal conduct by a president in office. So she made that tail. She made that hypothetical, forced him repeatedly. Yes or no question. Yes or no. I want a yes or no answer. And then, of course, that produced all the headlines we're seeing on the left. Donald Trump's lawyer says if a president assassinated his political rival, he wouldn't be prosecuted. That's not what he said. He basically went back to the Constitution and that impeachment is the resolution. And he kept saying the founders were very clear they were very concerned uh, that they would see what was happening in other areas and, and looking into the future where you would have a president incoming prosecuting his predecessor, especially of the opposite political party. Um, it's really important to remember, Steve, this is new. This has never been resolved in the courts, whether a president is subject to criminal prosecution. We know that there's some case law related to civil prosecution. But this is all new territory. And for Florence Pan to get up there, use her theatrics, the stupid outlandish um, comparison or hypothetical, when we are talking about one of the most serious issues, not just facing the country now, but with permanent consequences for the nation, where we will then descend into banana republic style territory, where presidents do nothing more but use their Department of Justice and other authorities in cahoots with the courts to prosecute their predecessor, their cabinet member, you know, go down the entire list. So I thought it was really reckless and really irresponsible to hear some of the questions presented by Judge Pan and Judge Childs. Uh, so that's sort of the direction where, where it went. But it seems to me that their order is probably already half written. Um, they Bingo. know that they're on the clock here, that Jack Smith is on the clock. They clearly want to help DOJ push this uh, a resolution quickly to try to stick with this March 4th trial date. I don't think it's going to work. Um, but at any rate, that's that's one of the highlights from today's hearing. Yeah. The last part there being the most important bingo on the money. Yeah. <clears throat> they're uh, they're not they're not new. They're not they don't act as neutral arbiters of the law. They act as left wing advocates. And every 
it just seeps out of them when you hear these audio recordings from the court. They're not neutral uh, advocates of the law there. They're advocates for the left-wing nonsense and get Trump. That's all they're advocates for. Yeah, it's and Get him as fast as possible, by the way. Yeah, it's insane to hear. When you hear it put, put put like that by that judge, oh my goodness! Was she, what she was just saying it out loud? Hey, can we do this? Can we do this? so? Basically, if there's no presidential immunity during during their official acts during their time in office, uh, if you're going to strip that away, that means that now what? Uh, people can say, oh well, you know what? Uh, Iran's going to want want retribution for uh, uh, Soleimani's death, so they're they're, they're going to have to sue us, and we can we can prosecute the president. So can we prosecute other? The presidents too can we go back to obama can we go back can we prosecute biden as soon as he walks out let's just get him let's get everybody you know the thing you have to wonder is how does someone like her get confirmed there you go. <laughs> thank you lindsey graham all right live from studio 6b more to come For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. They have been great supporters of RAB, which is why we're uh, proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious uh, freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military, veterans, and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or you can upgrade. Their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash RAV, PatriotMobile.com slash RAV, or call right now, 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code RAV, R-A-V. Uh, join the RAV family. Make the switch today. That's PatriotMobile.com slash RAV, PatriotMobile.com slash RAV, or call 972-PATRIOT. All right, 19 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Let's do some sports, then we'll do some more news with Rick Delgado. But we'll start with sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. I got some orders starting to roll in for the January shirt of the month, I saw. Nice. And uh, we'll continue that through the end of the month. If you shop at MyPillow and use our code LFS6B, uh, send us the receipt. And we'll get you out. Tell us your size. and We'll get you out the January shirt of the month. Absolutely free as a bonus for using our code. And we'll do this all throughout the year, right up to the election. We'll be given election uh, shirts, Trump 2024 shirts away, different styles every month. Uh, although we may do this one for two months, because obviously January is a little slower coming off the Christmas holiday. So we will do it for two months. Then we'll switch it up in March. Uh, but send us the receipts. LFS6B is the code to use at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right. Well, we got a little rodeo. Rodeo starting to kick up again, Big D. We got Stampede at the Ike, West Monroe, Louisiana, wrapped up over the weekend. Want to get this out? 
all-around cowboy, Kaysen Davis, $864 on tie-down roping and team roping. Bareback, Wacy Shala, 82 points on P-Car Pro Radio's Air Mail. Steer Wrestling, Tyler Waggis packed 4.8 seconds. Team roping, we had a tie. Kaysen Davis, Trent Davis, and Clark Gordon and Tanner Brown, 6.4 seconds. Saddle Bronx, Shea Fournier, 84 and a half points on P-Car Pro Rodeo's Roland Dice. Tie-down roping, another tie. Randall Carlisle and Colton Wilson came in at 8.4 seconds. Barrel Racing. Ashley Castleberry, yeah, we've heard her before. 15.7 tenths, good time there. And last but not least, Bull Riding, Dustin Bouquet. Dustin up the bouquets. 83 points on Universal Pro Rodeo's Gas Tank. Picked up 1974 on the win. $22,991. That's a uh, rodeo on a budget down in Louisiana. But uh, good rodeo, just the same, wrapped up over the weekend. You get to a story here. Well, Jets Aaron Rodgers blasts ESPN Media for trying to cancel him over Jimmy K. Kimmel comment. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. Aaron Rodgers once again waded into the controversy over his comments about NBC late night TV host Jimmy Kimmel and the list of individuals who supposedly visited Jeffrey Epstein's Pedo Island. In his latest appearance on the Pat McAfee show, where he does all his damage, Rodgers blasted the uproar in the media over his comment and accused ESPN and the rest of the media of trying to cancel him instead of investigating the alleged crimes of pedophilia rumored to have gone on at Epstein's infamous island retreat. Treat. Rogers initially made the comment on McAfee's show in late December when he was speaking about the possible existence of a list of names of the rich and famous who may have visited Epstein's Island and how many powerful people hope that list is never released. There's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, really hoping that doesn't come out, Rogers said at the time. Days after he made his offhanded comment, Kimmel blasted Rogers and even threatened to sue him. McAfee himself even apologized for his part in Rogers' slam on Kimmel. But on Tuesday, Rogers defended himself over the comment, hinting that in no way did he call Jimmy Kimmel a pedophile and pointed the finger at the media for making too much about the comment. In particular, Rogers torched ESPN senior VP of production Mike Foss, who came out and criticized Rogers over the slam on Kimmel and said Rogers made a dumb and factually inaccurate joke about Jimmy Kimmel that should have never happened. I don't understand the Mike Foss comment, and he didn't help out either, Rogers told McAfee during the January 9th broadcast. Mike, you're not helping. I just read earlier, I just read earlier exactly what I said, Rogers added accusingly, this is the game plan of the media. This is what they do. They try and cancel. It's not just me. It's nowhere near just me. You look at all different people who have been censored from the internet, especially during COVID, the canceling that went on, the censorship using the government to try and censor people, and if that doesn't work, they go to name-calling, Rogers continued. See, if, 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 if the guy from, if Rogers had just called Trump Hitler, the guy from ESPN would have had no problem. No comment. Oh, yeah. He would have oh, no, no comment. You never would have heard from him. Yeah, no, they no. would have offered him a contract. Yeah, yeah they would. Yeah, he would have, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's Rogers. all you got to do. Don't worry, Mike. What's his name? Mike Foss. Yeah, Mike Foss. Yeah, just what's tell Mike Foss, Foss, Foss to say, "Hey, yeah. Trump Hitler," and Mike Foss is going to have no problem with it. Never no. make a comment about anybody on the network that <laughs> uh, talks like that. But yo, know, Jimmy Kimmel, oh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, Mr. Late Night. Yep. Oh, God. And uh, he said, "I mentioned all the names that I've been called, and they don't stick because I'm not anti-vax." The NFL star added, "I'm interested in informed consent and things that are in the best interest of my body. I'm not a MAGA. I've never had any affiliation with anybody." 
associated with that movement, which is okay if you are, though. Uh, he said, there's different opinions all over the place. If that's your ideology, that's fine. I'm not a super political person. Do whatever you want. Conspiracy theorist, that's fine. Because if you're looking at the track record of conspiracy theorists in the last few years, they've been right about a lot of things, Rogers concluded. <laughs> right, Rick? Yeah. He also had one more jab for Kimmel, and no pun intended. I'm glad that Jimmy is not on the list. I really am. I don't think he's the P word. I think it's more impressive that a man who went to Arizona State and has 10 joke writers can read off a teleprompter. <laughs> I just <laughs> So he kind of gave it to him anyway. And uh, well, Big D, the Golden Globes attracts less than 10 million viewers despite boost from CBS and NFL leading. Uh, they, they had that, the big Browns game, uh, the Bears and the Packers, that big game. They had a huge lead in and they, they barely got 10 million the viewers. The Golden when, Globes was on? I know. Nobody yeah. realized it. I know. Uh, I saw the last minute. I just happened my what they? What do they give awards for the Golden Globes? Movies or yeah, television? Yeah, movies, both, a little I music. Think. Both. You know. I think both? it's both, yeah. yeah. I mean, they even snubbed Bobby. I mean, come on. Who, uh, that wasn't the thing that uh, Gervais hosted. He did the Oscars, right? No, he did the Golden Globes. He did the Globes well, a couple of years Golden ago. Globes? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they said it's really a disaster how, they, how the ratings have gone down. I mean, uh, back in 2020, it was 18.4 million. And now it's dropped down to, like, just about 10. So nobody's watching. I mean, It should actually be 10. Yeah. Yeah. Ten I think most, the- most of the views probably from people that fell asleep during the post-game show. On <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, left the, t- exactly, left the TV on. <laughs> exactly. Oh, anyway, that's a rap in sports, Big D. Back to you. Good one, friend. You can that one out. The number should be 10. Like yeah. 10. That's it. 10. 10 people. Give me a break. The Golden Globes. So we can look. Who hosted? Do we know who hosted? I don't. Uh, some don't. lame-o who's not funny. Yeah, of some, liberal, some None of them liberal funny. lame-o. I forgot. Gervais's opening was the only funny one that, uh, ever because he actually told the truth and they all got so offended. Well, actually, a comic named Joe Coy, who's a pretty good comic. Who? Joe Coy. Oh, yeah, him. Uh, he's been around him? for a while. Pretty good comic. Okay. Um, the jokes and, were lame, they said. Lame. Well, lame for the Hollywood types. Yeah. I saw a lot of comics comics responding on Twitter and saying, you know what? They they went because they heard, you know, everybody bashing Joe Coy's performance. They're like, they're like, he he did fine. For a comic to, to go into that room with those losers and try to make them laugh. His jokes were good. They were solid. And, uh, you know, a lot of them defended him saying, you know, this is what you expect from this type of crowd. They're not going to like your jokes because a lot of times if you make fun of them, they're going to get pissed. So uh, he got a lot of support from the comedy community and good for him. I mean, he, he did what he could do. That's all you can hope for mm-hmm. in that situation. Maybe uh, Dave Chappelle should have gone and tried out his oh. first, first <laughs> tried out his first joke from his new special there and you see how his, it went over. His there. Norm Macdonald joke, yeah, <laughs> that would have went over good. Yeah, maybe that would have. I wonder how that would have gone over in that room. Well, yeah. probably not too well. Yeah, all the reaction is, oh, uh, what do you call it? Taylor Swift sipped the drink after he made fun of her. Yeah. Uh, Selena Gomez had this reaction oh, to his Barbie she joke. Well, she couldn't take I it. Mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know. Did you hear the Taylor Swift joke? No, I didn't. I didn't. No, me neither. Yeah. No. Nobody so, did. Probably with Kelsey. <laughs> all right, we'll do some news. LOL the day. Pretty good one. Coming up. from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Uh, a couple things I want to just acknowledge here. Um, unfortunate news. Uh, I saw the First Lady, former First Lady, Melania Trump, just tweeted that she um, 
the, uh, with deep sadness, I announced the passing of my beloved mother. She was a strong woman who always carried herself with grace, warmth, and dignity. She was entirely devoted to her husband, daughter's grandson, son-in-law. We miss her beyond words from the First Lady. And I also noticed, just to hit a little closer to home, and uh, she posted it publicly, so I, I'm assuming that she doesn't mind if I say acknowledge it on air, Dr. Gina of Real America's Voice lost her father today. Oh, wow. Oh, that's terrible. So we send uh, all our love out to her and her family and yeah. keep them in our prayers mm. and to the former First Lady as well and her family, both uh, going with having to deal with um, striking losses today. Sure. Extremely sad. So I want to acknowledge both of them. Yeah. Rest in peace, and we'll keep all of you in our families in our prayers here. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. We'll do some more news with Slick, and uh, we'll do some news with Delgado coming up here in a second. LOL of the day. Now, as a former music, um, you know, I have an undergrad and a master's in music, and I was focused on vocal music and obviously piano being my main instrument branched off and played some other ones as well all right but i know a little something about vocal music and um i can say this without now what do you mean by vocal music you well like singing? you know choir yeah yeah oh, exactly. okay. you know singing right. acapella singing uh, uh, yeah, okay. you know, singing i wasn't sure myself. what you meant by that yeah well yeah you know i'm like going to the city and see some nice shows or whatever and you go see a choir there's been a bunch of good ones i've seen all and you know if i was if I went and saw, just imagine having tickets to see, well, this choir getting ready to do their performance, and you paid, and you sit down, and this is the song you get. Roll it, Aaron. Oh, is it still going? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to go get some pizza rolls. 
like to uh <laughs> you like to go to that concert? <laughs> that's the that's the all that's the open right there. Well, it all depends. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show. Let's hit it'll oh, hit you with the uh, let's hit you with the opener here. We've been working on this one oh, yeah. <laughs> for quite a while. Oh, we man. hope you enjoy it. It's called our rights depend. Yeah, with their face type is on the whole yeah. nine yards. Big day. Oh my God! Beautiful. What is what is oh what? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what? Uh, Christmas carols might might have been a better choice for that uh, for that uh, set list. Oh man, that's terrible. Oh, man. That's quite horrific. That I was, mean, I, I, I <laughs> what are those words? Set to <laughs> Who music? wrote that? Who wrote it? I mean, besides the Jerry lack Nadler of musicality in the whole group, which is yeah, awful. Well, Jerry Nadler. Yeah, Jerry Nadler. Wrote what it. He needed some depends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see the article, by the way, that the East Coast is sinking quicker than uh, well, than, uh, than we originally uh, thought? Uh, oh, really? I'm, I'm like thinking, well, Nadler lives in New York. Christie lives in New Jersey. Yeah, there you go. Dip over, well, of course it is. <laughs> These two fat asses. What do you expect? <laughs> no, I don't know that choir. I mean, that is just <laughs> that's just a that's just a perfect sign of the of of the times on the left there. That's what we're, that's what we're setting to music now, and that's what we're setting to music now. Very, it's very inspiring. Quite, quite the ways from the King Singers versions of of things. Uh, we, now we're this is what we're setting to to music. I mean, oh my god, man, oh man. All right, um, 36 past the hour, live from Studio 6P. Let's do some more news and hear with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on? Uh, the news is I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> you, you follow that one. How do I follow Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Anyhow. All right, so a couple big stories hey, left our, that i got to Come to our sure concert. You want to buy a ticket? Yeah, <laughs> sure. That's the opening number. See ya. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got two. I need two for the front row. Uh, these two. <laughs> oh, man. Oh Beat God. me up, Delgado. Oh, my goodness. No, that story's next. Help. Let me get to oh, this one. I can't wait. Well, let's play, why the, not? Let's play the choir again, yeah, please. <laughs> Perfect for this segment. Perfect. Speaking of killing yourself, oh, uh, here's the I Didn't Kill Myself edition of the news for tonight. Yes, we've got another uh, another release of names and some other extra extra stuff thrown in for the Epstein files. Uh, Epstein sex slave Virginia Guthrie had sex with second prince. Not only just one prince, but two prince. Maybe even the prince. No, I don't never. Know. No, please don't do that. <laughs> Claim she God, saw no. Bill Clinton and Al Gore on Pedo Island, according to these documents. Jeffrey Epstein's sex slave Virginia Roberts Guffrey had intercourse with a second prince in France, newly released documents revealed. Uh, infamously, she claimed that she was pimped out by disgraced Prince Andrew, but also said she had sex with another prince at Epstein's direction. Uh, according to a 2016 deposition for a lawsuit, what other world leaders were you sexually trafficked to? The defense lawyer asked. Mm. Uh, she said Prince Andrew for one, before adding that she was introduced to another person who was introduced as a prince. Guffrey, now 40, said she was recruited as a teen by and 
stamped out by Epstein and his associates, said she didn't know the prince's name, didn't know where he came from or what country he was from. He did he did speak a foreign tongue, uh, and we he did speak English as well. Uh, Guffrey said she uh, what <laughs> he spoke the international language. Um, Guffrey said she met the supposed royal in the south of France at a big party in 2001. Uh, I think it was 1999, maybe. And uh, he was very cunning, <laughs> right? He was dressed all in purple, and his right hand woman, uh, Elaine Maxwell, also knew that she was being trafficked to Prince. I mean, the Prince. Oh, to terrible. a prince. Somebody named Prince. Uh, Guffrey also claims she had twice seen Bill Clinton on Epstein's notorious Caribbean island, Little St. James. While Clinton admitted he flew on some of those plane flights on numerous occasions, he maintained they never actually stopped at the island. Kind of like he never he never inhaled. Uh, notoriously dubbed Pedo Island. Guffrey never accused Clinton of any wrongdoing, but another Epstein accuser, Joanna Spolberg, testified in a 2016 deposition that Epstein told her that the 47 so, 42nd president likes him young. Uh, also said that they saw Al Gore. And then there's this rumor of sex tapes. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, mm. Donald Trump's name was immediately thrown in, which was then later retracted. But but the sex tape thing is coming back again. And the only name not being mentioned now is Donald Trump. His name is not being mentioned in this new uh, allegation of a sex tape that could be out there. Yeah. Uh, regarding well, he had his sex tape in Russia, right? Pete right. On the hooker. Oh, right, know. exactly. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, you know, you have that. Maybe not. Well, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> kind of kind of, kind of a germaphobe doesn't really work. Um, and, and then, of course, a follow-up. See, I don't have enough time to play the Tim Burchett. Well, you know what? We'll play a little bit of the Tim Burchett because it does have to do with Epstein. Uh, cut number five, Tim Burchett, uh, from this morning on Dr. Gina's show right here on Real America's Voice. This thing is so... It's been so covered up from the start, ma'am. And, you know, and I don't know what's in that judge's heart as far as delaying it this long. There's apparently somebody who lives in another country who could be killed because of this. And I understand all that. But to take, well, how many days are they going to delay? 20, 30 more days? Uh, everybody knows uh, what's going on with this thing. It's a cover up from top to bottom. You've got a compromised Washington, D.C. And I wish people would quit calling it a swamp. A swamp is actually something God created that actually works. It actually filters, um, you know, water as it has an input and an output. Um, it really is an open sewer is what Washington DC is. And, and everything that comes out of it is, is basically from a sewer. And this is a, a perfect example. You've got, uh, federal courts that are compromised. You've got big shots that are compromised billionaires, literally billionaires. They've made a million dollars since you and I started talking on this show just from simple interest, some of these people. Yeah. And, you know, and to think that any of this is just not a cover-up, to me, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you can stop and, it right there, because he, he goes on for another few minutes. Maybe we'll play some more later or in tomorrow night's show. Uh, got another story I want to make sure I get him before the break here. Uh, uh, Follow-up, again, to another story we did last night. Well, I don't here. know if we have time left for another story. Yeah, we do. Oh, we do. Uh, look at that. Oh. Just enough yeah. time. Uh, a, a UFO whistleblower, oh. and I don't know if you remember these shots from last night. A UFO whistleblower showed new details of a uh, craft in government possession during a meeting, a secret meeting in New York City. Oh, Decorated former go. Air Force intelligence officer David Grush claims his sources worked on a 40-foot UAP, also UFO, that was the size of a football field when oh. they stepped inside. 
inside, according to an attendee at the event. The object can manipulate both time and space and could use and harness enough energy to power 70,000 homes in a year, according to the source. Now, I I don't know. My rights depend. (laughs) (laughs) Your brain depends. Um, Anyhow, so we were able to actually grab some of the footage that they showed at the at the event and let's go to that clip now uh this is actual uh actual aliens. Aliens. listen 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 wait wait, wait. Listen, listen to this somebody asked me where did your sister go honey I said, Alaska. He said, never mind, I'll ask him myself. Who <laughs> uh. <laughs> wrote that joke? Nick Free 87. What do you call a lazy kangaroo? You're fired for this That's it. You're fired. I mean, come on. And there he is. See? Oh, there it is. There's More Delgado footage. looking in the uh, More footage. Otherworldly jokes. <laughs> Aaron, please get us out right. of here. Leave us out. Couch potato. The show, right, right. The show washes on. <laughs> All right, 13th of the hour live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. Gravy. Delgado was yelling at us during the commercial that we screwed up his yeah. uh, thing. Well, we, we were laughing over the, the we first missed the joke. first joke, the first but, but, which was the best one. But yeah. I gotta acknowledge homeless vet fifty six who's just going by a bacon emoji right now in the chat. He says his favorite show on the network is now Bacon Point with David Z. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's cute. All right, like Delgado. Like, so we, me- we messed up your uh, yeah my- your UFO news. So right. I mean, because I Here's was a- weighing in the commercial, do we play the choir again? Do we play Delgado's thing again? And so we went with Delgado's thing since he says we missed well, the first slick joke. Rick, slick Rick, what did you say? We needed a, uh, a closer <laughs> encounter with that first joke. Yeah, with the first joke. So. <laughs> yeah, slick is slinging them even in the commercial breaks. So, so trust me. <laughs> All right. So turn up your turn up your volume I'm at worse. home. They, they whisper it. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go into the bathroom? Because <laughs> the pee is silent. <laughs> I should have stuck with my initials. I just said no. Say I should. <laughs> that's fine, Aaron. All right, that's you say I should have just stuck with my original. Damon, oh, don't do this. This God. is not a good idea. Oh, I, I, man. It was worth it. Well, okay. It's That's pretty funny. My favorite Martian over here. Yeah, but make sure you watch uh, Baking Point uh, <laughs> Saturday mornings. <laughs> yeah. Now, tomorrow night when David's back. He's see, well, now we'll, now here's oh, how, my goodness. Here's how we're going to know if he's watching right. the show right now. We're not going to say anything when he comes in tomorrow night. Yes. If he's okay. on the show. Yeah. 
I'm going to introduce him and see if he see if he catches it. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll see if he catches it. And nobody we'll see if I can keep a straight face when I do it. And nobody in the chat say anything until Damon introduces. Yeah. Because okay. if you start saying it first and you say bacon point, then he's going to be on right, to it. Right. Because he's 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 on it in the right. chat. David is in the chat for every comment. So. Right. Don't give it away. No. When I do a show this week, should I change the red and white stripes to wavy bacon lines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, I don't know. We'll have to think that'd about be that. a sizzling show. <laughs> Use that for the sizzle reel. Oh, God. Oh. oh, God. All right. Uh, let's do uh, – what are we doing? I don't even know what we're doing. We're, we're doing, doing news and sports. Let's yes. do sports first. Oh, sports okay. brought to you by Mike Lindell and Pillow. Use our code LFS6B. Um, and send us the receipt for your free January shirt of the month. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, two stories I want to get in. Uh, Islamic California High School cancels girls' basketball game to avoid playing teams with transgender player. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. An Islamic high school in California reportedly canceled a January 4th girls' basketball game rather than play another school that had a transgender player on its team, according to witnesses. According to the report, Fremont-based Averroes High School, which bills itself as a college preparatory Islamic High School forfeited its girls' basketball game against San Francisco. Waldorf High Averroes officials did not disclose why they canceled the game, but sources have told Redux that the game was nixed because Waldorf had a boy who says he, who says he is a transgender girl playing for them. While Redux, right, Redux, yeah. uh, did not name the transgender player, the site claims it looked into the matter and found that the boy is a taller and faster than the girls on his team and has even retained his male name as seen on the team's roster. Redux also spoke to Julie Lane, a representative of the advocacy group Women Are Real, and she went in person to watch a game, a Waldorf's girls' basketball game, was played and witnessed firsthand how the transgender player overpowered his opponents. The boy had an obvious advantage, Lane said. The girls didn't necessarily run their offense through him, probably because they didn't want to be targeted, but he got most of the rebounds and was able to jump much higher than the girls. Lane, I wanted to say that the girls he faced were at a complete disadvantage. I caught one scramble for the ball with another player, and my heart stopped. She was more than a a foot shorter than him and could have been seriously injured. Unsurprisingly, Waldorf's girls basketball team has been undefeated since the boy joined the team. And you guys know basketball. Could you imagine? And we've had this story ad nauseum, but just wanted to get that story out there. Of course, where else? San Francisco, right? The wokest city in the country. But uh, absolutely crazy. This continues in sports. I can't even get over it. So let's uh, switch gears. We got big playoff weekend coming up. And uh, KC forecast projects Chiefs Dolphins could be one of the coldest NFL games Games on record. Elizabeth N. in the chat, she had asked me earlier, who do you like, the Chiefs or Dolphins? And I said, right now, I'm liking the Chiefs in that cold weather. Miami, they're not a cold weather team by any stretch. They've never historically been a cold weather team. But Dylan Gwynn at Breitbart, many of you won't be able to watch the Chiefs battle the Giants in the NFL card wild card round on Saturday night because the league chose to feature the game exclusively on Peacock. By the way, Mike Francesa, formerly of WFAM, he had a tirade. It's on, it's actually, he's a great New York announcer for many years. Had a TV show, one of the one of the original podcasters. Really, he went on off on the NFL, saying, "You know what? It is disrespectful to the fans to air that game, a playoff game, primarily only on Peacock. We got to spend six dollars for to get what the one month. I think you could get the first month free, but uh, they're forcing people now driving them to NBC Peacock, which I just think enough's enough. They uh, they're getting to be pigs, the league, and they can put me on record with that. It's just getting to be too much. They want to get they're in our pockets all the time." You know, so anyway, I'm going to let that go, Big D. That's a wrap in sports, and uh, but that's going to be a cold game in Kansas City. Aaron, take note. I don't think Miami's got a shot. That's a wrap.
Oh, making a little early yeah. pick here. Yeah, yeah, I'm on, so. I'm, on, I'm on the Mahomes bandwagon. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right, very good. All right, Slick, thanks very much. Uh, sports is brought to you, of course, by game. Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6P. Let's do a little more news for wrap it up for a Tuesday night. And here with that is Rick I'm Delgado. Out. Are you sure about this? Am I sure about what? You want to come to me? All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, actually, this is a story that might Cue interest you. up the choir you. song again. <laughs> Come on, your lights out. This, this, is, this is a story that will definitely you definitely have an opinion on. As the SEC says, it did not yet approve Bitcoin. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I saw this old catastrophe. Yes, today. the catastrophe is right. The U.S. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission said this afternoon that the announcement that Bitcoin exchange traded funds on social media was incorrect. The SEC's Twitter account, they say, has been compromised. Not hacked, but compromised. The unauthorized tweet regarding Bitcoin was not made by the SEC or its staff, according to CNBC. The false social media post said the SEC had approved Bitcoin ETFs for trading. The price of Bitcoin briefly spiked after the initial post, but then quickly slid below 46000 In a later statement, an SEC spokesperson told CNBC that the agency determined there had been an authorized, unauthorized access to the regulator's X account by an unknown party for a brief period just after 4 p.m. Eastern. And the SEC will work with law enforcement and our partners across the government to blah, 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 to find out who did this dastardly deed. So yeah. there you have it. Yeah, well, it's going to I, – I don't think it was a hack. I think it was somebody hit the send button too quick. You know, it's supposed to be tomorrow morning. Right. And so we'll see if I'm right tomorrow morning when we get an exchange-traded fund – for Bitcoin, which is what we're going to get probably tomorrow morning. I almost, well, I've already bet money on, on it in a way, but I'll bet more money that we're going to get an ETF. We're going to get multiple ETFs, and we're going to get them tomorrow. Now, what, think, now, explain to people what an ETF is. Well, an exchange-traded fund is something where now, you know, Bitcoin before, it's like you can buy it yourself. Right. There was no, there was no instrument for financial people to buy it. You know, uh, family offices, BlackRock, VanEck. Uh, all, all the big, all the big players. Right. So you can't have it in your, you couldn't have it in your retirement unless you went to, you know, there was some very specific crypto only ways to buy Bitcoin or you could buy GBTC, which is not real Bitcoin. Cause you don't really hold it. An ETF you could argue is not really Bitcoin either as far as taking custody of it, but it is real that the place you buy it through actually has to go buy Bitcoin. That's the difference. It's not a futures ETF. It's actually a spot ETF. So the Bitcoin actually has to, they have to actually go in the market and buy it, which is the big difference. Futures is not, they don't have to actually go buy the Bitcoin. Right. So when you talk about these players coming into this thing, uh, and you talk about trillions of dollars that is going to flow into it, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And the more money we spend and the bigger the debt gets, the, only mo the, the more interesting crypto and specifically bitcoin is going to get to these big to the big players and to their clients who say i hey listen I, I i scarcity is such a unique thing in the world we live in right now and the scarcity of bitcoin as a financial instrument and the freedom it brings um is something that's gonna a lot of people are gonna start to learn about it for the first time as always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks to everybody on the show. Glad we made it. Thanks to Mother Nature for holding off. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you to live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night right here live from Studio 6B.